Hi, uh, I'm Sadek. And I'm Christian. And this is episode 24 of Shades of Brown. And this week, we're going to be discussing uh, moderation on, on large social networks. We're gonna yeah, stream- we're, hitting, uh, we're hitting our verticals, right? We're hitting uh, computers and culture. Yeah, yeah. This is definitely a very a topic that is very complex, obviously. A, very, a lot of opinions from a lot of different people. We're going to start with... Uh, what Facebook is doing. Uh, Facebook, obviously, the largest social network on the planet. Uh, Billion-plus active users. Uh, what are they doing, Christian? So I this hope. week, um, the rules leaked out. So they have a moderation team, right, of people. So it's uh, how hateful content gets removed from social network. So they, there's guidelines, obviously, that their moderation team has to follow, and their guidelines leaked out this week. And there's a little bit of a storm about it because it's, from Facebook's perspective, right? So before we get into all this, I think we need to preface like hate speech primer, right? So like you saying obviously racist things or obviously sexist sexist things, it's easy to catch. Those there's some some most cases where it's like kind of white and black, but then you have the gray areas, right? Where you have like say for example, someone's really conservative and half racist saying some stuff which can be taken as like fucked up, but isn't on the surface, right? When you're when you're when it comes to catching intent, these are some statements, right? There's some jokes that if you want to pass it through a word filter, and it will perfectly pass. It'll be a false positive because on the surface it's not a harmful statement. But when you take the societal context, the cultural context, it is much more dangerous than it seems. So Facebook's guidelines are that they have certain protected categories and they have non-protected categories. If it, if it's a protected category plus another protected category being attacked in a post then it counts as hate speech and it will be removed but if it is a protected category and a non-protected category then it shall not be removed because it is that is not what they considered hate speech let's let's just clarify who they mean by protected and uh non-protected uh protected is uh sex race religious affiliation ethnicity National origin, sexual orientation, gender identity, serious disability, or disease. And Christian, you can mention the ones that are uh, not protected. Okay, yeah. So the ones we, they don't protect are social class, continental origin, appearance, age, occupation, political ideologies, religion, and country. Right. So, so in this, there's, there's an example that they have uh, on the article, uh, the, uh, the slides. Um, so Irish women would be a protected category, but... Irish teens uh, is a non-protected category because uh, teens are not are not a protected category. So um, protected category plus a non-protected category, as Christian said, uh, is is not hate speech. Uh, so so what's what's the problem here? Uh, really, it's uh, they also have some a category called quasi-protected uh, speech, like uh, so categories like migrants. So Muslim migrants would be uh quasi protected category but teen migrants would be a non protected category so like the the obvious problems right is that in this in a system xenophobia sexism ableism all that is still allowed if you just word it the right way so and obvious so like when it is obvious xenophobia when it is obvious sexism that is not allowed under the system but you can still get hateful things by and the bigger problem, right, is that Facebook has to use a global system. In some countries, they may be uh, a little more strict, like Nazism is completely outlawed in Germany, so 
anything that relates to Nazism has to be removed from the social network under German law. But then in general, they try to keep it where they can have one global set of guidelines. So they're not, so they're not having to remove posts individually by country because in some middle Eastern countries, right? Culturally, they might be a little more strict about what counts as speech and such, or like what counts as hate speech. And then in America, it's a lot looser. You can, you can get away with saying most things and legally you would never get in trouble. Right. Uh, so the problem here is, 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 is one thing is they have a lot of people manually going through posts. They have, they increase the amount of people that work on that part of Facebook. Uh, 7,500 people working uh, on it. Uh, and they're, they're manually following a set of guidelines that uh, Facebook has set, set, set forward. The problem here is obviously you need human guidelines, but at a certain scale, it's really hard to uh, do this via humans. Like it's, it's, you, you have a rule book, but it's still going to be subjective to the human that is making the uh, judgment. Uh, and it's just, it's, I don't think there's an easy solution here. Like it's, it's, not, it's not an easy, easy problem and it's no easy solution. Like one of the problems like was when they left the Donald Trump's comments on Muslims were, were not deleted by Facebook. Uh, Facebook Facebook said that it was considered a, a political speech, uh, so which was which was not, which is protected category apparently, um, and it's it's also directed against a subgroup uh, Muslim immigrants and thus might not qualify as hate speech, which is, it is obviously hate speech. Uh, anybody sane would tell you that is hate speech, but uh, Facebook's uh, sort of uh, equations here don't don't quite equal that as hate speech yeah and then there's the uh there's a tricky cultural problem here right where to remove the technology from it it's like if you kick out all of the bad players and you kick out essentially for what most people are seeing all the right-leaning players right like it's we're gonna get into it's gonna be a little political but you have to when you're talking about hate speech and as such if you kick out all the conservatives who are a little xenophobic who are, are racist and that or even those who are touching upon it, like if there's some, they're not like full racist, right? But their ideology is a little bit built on racism, right? Is that the right thing to do? Do you just kick them out? Facebook loses a bunch of users and therefore it's like they go to another place that, hey, someone in the valley starts up a social network and says, hey, we'll let you be as nasty as you want. There's no laws against this. And is that the right way to go? Do you just kick out all of the bad, all of the bad players to another social network or to another place and let them be hidden and let the hate? So the hate's still going to be there, right? Banning the speech does not remove the hate that exists in the culture. It's like that's it's not how you get rid of it. Giving users tools to uh, filter out those abuses should be paramount. Like you, you should be able to see what you want to see on a social network, even if it builds up a bubble or not. That's your own problem. That's not the prerogative of the network. But it's just like if you have all of this hate speech hidden or moved on to its own site, right? Like, has the internet been a better place because 4chan just is a bunch of Nazis and racists? Like, is it better that for them, for people on 4chan to be hidden off on 4chan where only those racists and Nazis go? That's an interest. That is an interesting question because uh, social networks, the problem here is. I mean, we could say that, okay, Facebook uh, is, is a social network. Uh, from a business standpoint of view, it is, it's obviously not 
optimal for Facebook to be removing users en masse. I'll, I mean, let, let's just get that point out of the way. From a business point of view, that's losing users, that's losing money, really. Uh, because, because every user that Facebook has generates them revenue. Uh, so it's, it's, if, you, if you start removing users, uh, the shareholders are probably not going to be pleased. Okay, that's the business point of view. But from a social point of view, um, hiding the problem from other users using, say, filter bubbles, which which Facebook already does. Uh, I mean, the I I I don't use Facebook, but uh, Facebook the Facebook feed you get is already very curated by uh, various algorithms, right? Um, so 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 it's already being uh, bubbled. So, but the problem here is governments. Uh, the European Union, uh, the German government uh, are demanding that uh, Facebook be faster at removing social uh, hate speech for, uh, from the network. And so where, where, where does this end? Where does this lead? And this is like, right, it's a cultural thing, right? Because in Europe, it's more of like hate speech should be removed right away. Hate speech is bad, right? You're not giving them a platform at all is the European view of it. And then in Asian countries, uh, well, China, it's more of like whatever the government lets on WeChat stays on WeChat, right? Like no dissent is usually what uh, companies are forced to do in, uh, in Asian countries. And in, in America and to an extent Canada, right? It's just like there's a certain level of hate speech that people are used to oh, tolerating. Like there's like certain nasty views that we, people can agree are bad. But culturally, Americans and some Canadians are fine with letting it stand, even though we recognize that it is a distasteful view to take. So, so there's, there's, uh, there's something to be said here. Uh, um, the thing is, Facebook is obviously an American company. Uh, uh, so the, the First Amendment applies partially, uh, the American First I mean, American... Not, not really. The Facebook is a private company that doesn't... The First Amendment, culturally, the cultural implications of the First Amendment do apply, but any sort of legal standing doesn't really, because Facebook can say whatever, right? They can ban the speech, no one can do anything. Facebook can be like, we are banning all users who have blue shirts in their profile pictures, and they're completely in the right for that. So I don't, maybe from like a cultural perspective that most Americans expect, that speech isn't going to be policed as much as some Europeans or Asians would, but uh, it's still... so. So I recognize the First Amendment applies to government entities uh, and the government uh, suppressing speech, but uh, Facebook is is such a such an integral part of uh, sort of society, say in North America or say the United States, that it 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 have it it's legally not obliged under First Amendment, but. I think, as you said, uh, culturally and sort of the expectation is that uh, Facebook abide by the First Amendment, right? Well, yeah, there's like a there's a sort of a a corporate responsibility, right? Like culturally that people feel like Facebook should be doing more. And it's like uh, Mark Zuckerberg, he's been going on like writing manifestos and stuff on his page about what he sees Facebook as. And he's basically saying that he sees it as a place where people can come and sort of like uh, that stupid forum thing in like ancient Rome where like all those philosophers would talk about. Right. I think that's, that's what he alluded to in his post. I don't remember the name cause I don't really care about old white people, but <laughs> it's just like, it's that right. Where people come and talk about political speech and people talk like about the, the ideas facing them. 
And when you start bringing in different classes and stuff, that speech gets a little dirty. It gets a little hateful. It gets messy, right? And it's a very tough problem to say we're going to explicitly ban this for everyone all over the world. You just, it's tricky. Even if we remove the business implications of it, just trying to roll that out where anything that mentions the alt-right or anything that mentions Nazis or even anything that mentions like neoliberals or uh, tankies or anarcho-communists, right? Like those are all somewhat radical political ide- ideologies. And if you say you're going to ban radicalism and you do it across the board, does that really help have people promote like good and God, I... Ugh, hashtag discourse, right? Does it really like? Do, does, does it does it promote, does it, does it promote uh, a, a good environment to be having political discussions? In because uh, uh, speaking from experience, uh, recent experience, even uh, political discourse among people is 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 one where even like the best of friends can start being very uh, argumentative uh, and very uh, dismissive of each other. Uh, political speech is just it's just messy as a whole, and it's it's people get very very angry very fast. And does that does does banning say radical radicalism on both the left and the right uh, does does that make it sort of like a better environment? I I don't know. I don't think that's that's quite the problem that political speech has. Like it's just polarizing by itself, not because it is radical, but just because it is. Uh, so people have different views. Uh, it's just that what that's what it is. Yeah, here. then it just gets messy. He is right. Internet distance yourself from real people. Well, even then too, honestly, like I remember way back when when people were like, if you make people use a real name, they're not going to be nasty. And it's like, what? No, people are 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 shit with their real name. People are shit in IRL, right? When they say disgusting things with their faces in view, they're not hiding their faces. And so it's like you have to take like a. What is your view of humanity, right? What is Facebook's view of humanity? Is that people are great and that given the right tools, they'll make the best of it? Or you take like the nihilistic view that everyone's shit, all oh, they're out to just ruin everything and humans are the worst, right? It's just like from there, I think Facebook builds their uh, like their platform off the idea that people are going to do good things if you provide them with the tools to do so. And that there will be bad actors, but you come, but you have set guidelines for it, which is questionable, right? You can always... These rules are always going to improve, but it's it's just all messy. Yeah, from a business point of view, that first view makes sense because you want more users, you want everybody using Facebook, you want it to be you at least for it to appear that it's 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 a it's a good place to be having discussions uh, because appearance is key. Uh, but yeah, so this is I mean this is Facebook. I mean. We can talk about this for hours, but it's it's not going to go anywhere because at the, at the end of the day, uh, there's not one solution. There's not one thing you can do that that will make this problem solved. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about sort of Facebook, Instagram, uh, launch the AI system. Yeah, rather than having like a set team of moderators, like I I assume Facebook probably has some machine learning stuff to like filter out like obviously bad things, right? But uh, Instagram is going full in on an AI system. At the show notes, there's a nice piece from Wired, which uh, you can always find at twoshadesbrown.com. And they talk about, it's called Deep Text. It started out as a machine learning algorithm to detect spam and block spam, because Instagram has a bit of a spam problem. 
And they realize that if they feed it the right things, if they uh, teach it the right sequences, it can be used to also block out offensive comments and hate speech. Right. So now we have something that is, they say, more able to uh, decipher intent uh, in sentences, which is, which is very hard for computers to do. Obviously, computers are binary. It, honestly, it's hard for people to do as well. As well. Over. Yes. That. <laughs> Yeah, so if, if it's hard for people to do, it's going to be hard to make computers do them because you're going to have to program them to do it. Uh, but uh, Deep Text, uh, it was very effective at, at killing spam, uh, apparently. And uh, they, they, when, they t- when they pivoted it to use it on, on hate speech, it's, I, I mean, I, I don't even know where to go with this. Like, is it, is it a good idea? Is it, is it bad? Is it helpful? Because a lot of, like, say if I code, a, like, a, one of the examples in the Wired article here is if you, if you have, like, a Kanye West lyric, um, that technically on the surface, a computer would classify as uh, potentially hostile or aggressive or even hate speech, right? But, but the context matters here. The context is that it's a neutral, maybe you're just coding a song lyric, right? So, so how, how do you decipher between... How do you decipher context is, is, is my yeah, question. Yeah, context is intent. It's cultural references, right? This is why they're only rolling it out to a set certain amount of languages. Yes, that, that, ma- that makes sense. Uh, uh. Yeah, so the filter is only in English right now because you'd have to feed it song lyrics. to feed it a bunch of things in order for intent to be um, deciphered. And what's even more interesting about these AI things, right? It's just like... So... Machine learning algorithms are as have, carry the same views that the people who created them did, right? Because of the sources that are fed and because of the biases, right? Like there's been examples of supposed neutral machine learning algorithms that had become racist, like picture detection ones that might take an Asian or a black person and detect them and, and recognize them as some kind of stereotype or say like an animal or something like that, that people use derogatorily to um, refer to them as. And it's so algorithms can be racist because they can be as racist as the people who made them because the people who make them, they feed them sources and those sources are tinted right by, by what the person believes. So if you feed a algorithm on making beautiful faces, a database of only what is culturally considered beautiful in Europe. So you have a bunch of white faces, Eurocentric sort of beauty standards, and you try and apply that same filter to say, make someone who is black or Asian or um have or like na- from a native culture beautiful it will just make them look white and it's it's implying that being white is like the standard for beauty right and so it, it's like what if this where what, what are the biases for this algorithm right is it just like is it is it going to detect that mostly right-leaning speech is bad or any sort of conservatism or is it going to also say that like harmful neoliberal speech is also going to be is that going to be removed as well where where's where's like the political meter for this because if you're as we said earlier the facebook thing if you're removing hate speech it's political in nature yeah so the problem here is again it's it's you, you're probably starting to see a pattern uh with these with these sort of automated uh or even semi-automated systems and, and, and rules and guidelines is that uh, they don't distinguish context they they don't have time to distinguish context that's the problem here like these social networks are so big and there's so much volume 
that uh, it's it's basically impossible for really even even having humans or even automated systems to detect any sort of context and still maintain a reasonable pace of moderation, right? So so this this is this is the problem. Like there's there's just not enough time in the world for for this much volume of of text really to be to be analyzed computers are just computers could do it but it's like it's not going to be perfect at all like it's not going to be good so and you you can throw manpower at it right but that's only when you're the size of facebook and you make enough money where you can afford hiring 7500 10,000 people right like it's that's a that's a sunk cost because it's like the larger the more people use the social network the more people you have to hire to moderate it and that's a really bad scale you have what ten thousand people let's say facebook probably had by the end of the year working on this there are two billion people using facebook right now so what's the ratio of moderator to active user yeah that's a good question yeah so how 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 much uh, are the moderators expected to moderate per day like what is what is their speed supposed to be? what is their average time per moderation action like how much time are they given to decide uh on, on a on a on a particular piece of moderator and even then too right if a moderator has comes in with their own biases and their own views right so it's like what like like it's just um just like the human problem here really it's it's you 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 have to, you need time you need money and both of those are uh that a corporation is not uh, willing to spend like especially the money part uh it's obviously in their interest to not spend uh spend as much as less money as possible on, on stuff like this because it, it's it's obviously as you said a sunk cost it doesn't actually give them any return direct return yeah and then there's like there's there's a larger question too right where like like we've like the description of this podcast is computers and culture because they drive each other for a reason right like the the iphone drove cultural changes so does desktop PC, the internet drove cultural changes. But how does that come back? How does culture drive the, the, the creation of these computers, right? Like, Facebook changed how people talk to each other. But can the people on Facebook change Facebook itself? Like, do, do are these tools, is it Facebook trying to get ahead of the problem? Or are they just catching up? Because right now it looks like they're catching up. And it's just like, where what changes first? the technology or the culture itself and how do you how do you get that change across the thing is um i think it's the the culture the culture i think the technology is there usually when when technology thing is when technology first sort of is created it's devoid um it is devoid of of the, the culture affecting it but when it what is out in the world like say facebook when it first started like none of these i, I don't think mark zuckerberg when he first started facebook thought that it would be like what it is now and what what kind of problems it has to deal with now so it's like culture is affecting facebook it is affecting it, it may seem that it's it's slow to react but facebook is not is not a small company it is it, as as we all know big companies take time to move uh, it's just bureaucracy and just a lot of arguing and infighting uh, and it's just the culture will affect facebook it's just that Will it affect it in in a positive way? Will it affect change uh, that does that's good for humanity or bad for humanity? Are 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 we gonna stagnate in this sort of weird uh sort of contextless algorithm based moderate moderation uh thing that we have going on? Like is is it yeah like like the contextless right like like Twitter's new shadow banning tools? Yeah, so 
so this is this is the most probably extreme uh contextless uh version of of something that that uh, social network is doing uh so can you explain what twitter is doing here okay so twitter is essentially locking people out of their accounts for 12 hours when as far as we know there's no human moderation team this is all ai stuff it detects that you said something hateful and the problem with this being is that it does this does not account for intent at all Say, for example, you tweet out Richard Spencer, you're, you're a fucking Nazi, and that makes you a shitty person, bro. Just stop tweeting. Because of the words you're using and how they're wrapped together, Twitter will decipher that that has harmful intent. But there's no context to say you're tweeting it at a white supremacist. So, yeah, who, like, do that. Tell them they're bad people because they are. And so Twitter will lock you out of your account. But at the same time, right, Twitter will also lock out, say, like, a someone who is uh, a supremacist who is saying that we should like commit some act of violence towards this group of people because they're like derogatory term here right so it catches both people in the same net when when there should be more context yeah so yeah so there was recently some um so some some activists were 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 suspended some activist accounts because they used some 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 uh, angry, uh, an angry tone, but not necessarily uh, abusive, or maybe just out of frustration or whatever, right? Uh, yeah, like they just frustratedly tweeted that you know they're upset because people, people are tweeting them nasty images or whatever, and because like the the way they're saying it isn't harmful enough to be caught by the filter, they're like this is some bullshit. Everyone is blah blah blah, right? This is like some they're using explicitives or some other sort of words, right? And Twitter's catching it in the net, saying, oh, you're using hateful speech. We are going to shadow ban you now and think about what you did. It's putting people in a timeout zone when I don't know if forcing people to think about what they did and parenting them like that is the best approach. Especially, um, especially this is this is gonna appear like patronizing and it's obviously devoid of any context, really. Like this is this is even worse than what Instagram or Facebook uh, are doing here because it's just it's just like. This is basically the like this is some like something like a like a CS grad would write in like the first year of like as a word filter. Uh this is just this is a very basic shit. That's that's what I'm gonna say. This is very basic. And it's it's not effective. It's it's just it's just gonna annoy everybody and it's it's not gonna actually do anything to substantially And as anyone who's ever moderated, anyone who's ever been on an IRC channel where there's um, some bad players in shadow banning them, removing their voice and making the room voice only is not the best way because you know what they'll do now? They'll just hop into someone's DMs, they'll private message you and they'll just send their hate that way or they'll make a new account. And no matter how good you can say you are at doing that, it's better to have a stated policy, right? And say, this is what we don't allow. This is what we allow. And then go on that. Right. So this is where Facebook's ad rules actually make more sense. Like they have some sort of guideline. They have some sort of base guideline that they're using. Uh, it's not perfect, obviously, as we... Yeah, like we can disagree about what the rules are. But the fact that there are rules there that everyone can now see now that they're out in the public is the important thing. Yeah, and uh, Twitter is obviously being very opaque. They haven't announced uh, anything on any public anything publicly. They haven't uh, wrote in any blog posts, haven't made any announcements. Um, they just started doing this. Uh, they, they haven't mentioned anything. So that's also a thing. It's, it's not transparent and nobody knows what the fuck uh, is going on. It's just a black box, right? And that's, when it comes to dealing with people, having your technology in a black box is 
probably the not the great not a great way to do it right like just random other example right like this is why people like open source software so much like there's some freedom arguments being made right but at the end of the day you see how it's working under the hood or this is why having a good privacy policy this is why people tend to trust apple more than apple and microsoft more than google right it's because apple will explicitly tell you what it's going to do with your data and so microsoft when google's like oh yeah we just scan it and that's it and they don't go into detail yeah. So yeah, being explicit, uh, being uh, being transparent is key. Which which brings me to an interesting point. Sort of a side. We've been talking about moderation. Uh, all these all these uh, social networks. We're going to be talking about a bit about Mastodon again. Yeah, because uh, Mastodon it's purely human. There's no software. I mean, someone could write their own filter or their own bot that um, could you know just go through text posts and delete things at will. But as of right now, because Mastodon's not federated, it's you can have each instance has its own moderation style, has its own admin team. Some instances, all hate speech is banned. Other instances are a little more open to it, depending on where they're at in the world. Yeah, so so Mastodon, obviously, um, federated social network uh, moderation is up to up to the up to the people running the server, and it's something to be said about social networks not being too big uh so the 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 thing that works on on Macedon's sort of scale for most of the most of the small to medium sized instances is that that the instances are small to medium so it's like a few hundred people um and at a, at that scale it's easy to scale moderation to have like a few moderators deal with uh with most of the problems right it's it's, it's easier uh, you, you can uh, a moderator can d- devote more time uh, to solving solving uh, issues in the community, and, and you feel more like the moderators usually are more transparent and more like the community has a sense of action, like they have a sense of that their problems are being heard by the uh, there's someone they can talk to, there's someone they can uh, reach out to and, and deal with the issue. So it feels more personal. It feels uh like a human like a human being is running the network like human beings are running the network so uh, there's something to be said about social networks remaining in a, in a sort of small size but even that has its own problems too because then it's you have a lot of people who are not prepared to run an instance or to moderate a bunch of sticky social issues right being thrusted into that position where they're the ones who have to make the tough calls and and it's just like they there's usually sharp decisions that lead to everyone not being happy. Yeah, which is which is um which uh, I think I probably mentioned this like I, privately, but uh the what what when I first started joined Mastodon, uh, there was there was no tool where a user or a user could could not block an in, entire instance from their own account, like they couldn't filter it. But this is this is now a future because everybody has been asking for it because um, what what you want to do is as Christian mentioned way earlier is you want to give the users as much control over their own feeds uh, on, over their own experience uh, as possible. So you want to allow them to mute entire instances. You want to allow them to block entire instances. Uh, you don't want to. You want to sort of lower lower the burden uh, of decision uh, from the admins so they they're not making what could be considered political decisions uh, because federation is, is uh, federation with other instances is considered uh, a political. Yeah. It's like you should, admins should only 
like make big decisions about them talking to other instances when there's like a wide attack surface, right? Like if this, if an instance is, uh, and God, so many people are going to disagree with me on this one, but if an instances really should only be blocked when everyone on that instance is being hostile and is actively attacking yours, right? Like if users on your instance are continuously being targeted by people on that instance and it's, it's a persistent problem that can't be solved with any sort of discourse, hashtag discourse. I hate that word, by the way. Um, it's then, you know, block the instance then, but I, and God, it's just preemptively blocking instances seems like, not the best way to go ahead with this. I mean, there's obviously there's some instances, right? Some instances are going to say, hey, we let Nazis be on here. And you know what? Those are extreme examples. I'm talking about like middle ground ones, right? So, um, uh, Ashley, you say that preemptively blocking instances, right? So let, let me, let me uh, mention something. Uh, I, I preemptively blocked an instance yesterday on, on my public, uh, public server, uh, 10 Forward Social. Um, an instance uh, called AnnieTwitter.moi. Um, it, it was blocked preemptively uh, by, by a bunch of instances that I know of um, because, because the, the, the admins are, are openly uh, saying that they, they're not willing to moderate any sort of hate speech, that there's already been instances of uh, uncensored uh, pornography, like uncensored as in like it's not put under a content warning. Uh, like very edge lord 4chan sort of uh, behavior coming from the instance. And so some businesses have decided to block that preemptively uh, or silence it or suspend it. Um, well, that's like, that's what I'm saying, right? That's an example where that's, there, there should, it's few, there are few examples where you go ahead and you should block an instance preemptively just because of what, how the attitude of the admins or their rules are, right? But on, on the whole, just because an admin might be using language that you might not agree with that isn't obviously gross, right? Or as people who run it might have different political views than you, blocking that instance is that's a dumb. It's that's hurting your users. That's petty. Yes, that is uh that's that's basically my view as well. As long um if at the if if, if I have to block an instance, I will make it so that it's it's a silence instead of a suspend. So it the only thing it does is it doesn't appear in the federated timeline, but you can still follow users from that instance. Uh, and and no existing uh, relationships are broken that way because a suspend will will cut those off. Uh, so yeah, you have to be careful with wielding the hammer, as it were. Uh, I mean, this is not a new. Yeah, it's the ban the ban hammer should not be wielded lightly, right? Like I don't. Maybe it's because me and you have been on IRC for a decade, right? And we've been through networks that have burned and crashed because of poor management. Yeah, definitely. We have we have some we have some experience uh, to bring on the table here, and we've seen what kind of moderation works and what doesn't, and what uh, what kind of stuff leads to a community sort of falling apart because people were either too unwilling to moderate or moderated too harshly. Uh, so, like, there's a balance to be struck uh, there. All I can really say is I I'm, I'm I want to kind of write a blog post on this sometime, but. Uh, what I want to say is you have to you have to have at least a certain consistent rule in rule of God, like set of guidelines and even internally for yourself that you, you want to follow. You don't want to seem undecisive when you make a decision. You want to you want to stand behind it. You want to be able to stand behind it. 
you want to be able to uh, justify it at least uh, with some sort of uh, internal or external guidelines that you have published or haven't published. Uh, that that's all. Preferably transparency if you want. If you want transparency, for instance, if you're a large instance, you probably want to publish your rules, uh, your set of guidelines uh, for moderation, uh, which Mastodon.social did recently, and it's and I think it's a very fairly sane procedure. Uh, but yeah, so at least follow through with your guidelines, if nothing else. Because uh, like, so like with my instance, right? No one uses it, but I still have a code of conduct because uh, to federate some instances, they require I have one, which is fine. That's a perfectly good rule. And I like the people who run those instances, so I'll, I wrote a code of conduct. And mine's just right. It's I will federate with instances that have a more lax moderation policy. And then once once I see bad actors coming towards the users of my instance, which uh, there are none, but you can definitely sign up if you want to. <laughs> just going to plug that. But like once I see that happening, then then we go from there. Right. I, I tried like I'll preemptively block the ones anime. So the, the any Twitter dot Moe, that one I do not have. Um, I don't, I haven't blocked them yet, but it's just like, once, once I see bad behavior coming towards the people of my instance, right. Then that's when we will go from there. Yeah. That's, that's, that is, that is fair. That is a sane decision uh, to make. Uh, It also depends on scale. Like if your instance is uh, a a thousand people versus a hundred people, how do you make your decisions? That is not easy. That's not, there's no one answer to the question you gotta you gotta that's why i'm saying you just gotta have a base guideline uh, and may base your decisions on a firm set of moral or ethical or even political guidelines right so that's that's why that's my take on the issue uh and also hashtag discourse uh is, is this this discourse is bad um i just want to i want to go on a little rant about the word discourse for a minute uh discourses are things to me that like are had behind closed doors and not out in the open and it's like also saying too that if you don't if you're not in the know then this conversation is not for you that that, that's what it it just it just has that elitist twinge to me that i don't like and that's maybe that might just be me no that's that's actually fair i'm not a big fan of it which is why i try to stay out of it uh most of the time uh sometimes i sometimes i might feel like i want to get involved or uh, sometimes it's best to stay hands off from discourse because the the one thing I've learned over the years is not to make uh rash sort of statements just by reading a little bit of the discourse because then you are gonna make uh statements from an incomplete uh knowledge source. So it's it's a, yeah, so there the, the term discourse uh, is is sort of I mean, it's it's so overused really. Uh it's sort of like yeah, it's so private there's a certain level of like if 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 somebody says there's there's a lot of discourse on the timeline, what does that 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 means that there's a certain topic that everybody's sort of discussing at the same time in in various ways, right? Uh, and and there's a there's a case to be made that um, microblogging networks are absolutely terrible places to have these kind of uh, deep conversations. Um, that's always been my view. Twitter's bad for arguing. Mastodon more characters does not make arguing with people or having a discussion better it's the form of short blurb micro post right where you can't even quote people on mastodon which i know some people think is a a venue for abuse but 
being able to quote posts would help having hashtag discourses? Yeah, possibly. Uh, there's arguments to be made either way. Um, for now, it's been uh, sort of, sort of uh, people are against it as sort of uh, being uh, a tool that was used that was that was used on Twitter for abuse. Uh, the code tweet, as it were. Uh, but I mean, everything was used on Twitter for abuse. You could. That's the problem, right? With most of these tools, right? Like, say for example, I've heard some hashtag discourse ew, on uh whether or not we should they should make better search for mastodon right and it's like people are saying that's a vehicle or that's a venue for abuse but it's also really useful for me not to have to cite google every single <laughs> instance when i want to find an old post but you know what like gets rid of a lot of this like so this is why tweetbot is the best twitter client right because it has freaking amazing f- muting Mastodon, no Mastodon client has good mute support. The web client has basic stuff, but you, I can't mute my mentions, for example, right? I can't filter through my n- notifications. And ma- what Mastodon is sorely lacking right now like, is a really good filtering system that stays with you, that's on an account-wide basis, right? I should be able to, like, say, for example, I want to mute some sort of ableist terms. But I want my people who mutuals to not be thrown through that filter just in case we're talking about something and one of us happens to use that mm-hmm. word, right? So um, what you're asking for is more granular filtering. Um, uh, so what the thing is here, um, if any sort of filtering that has to be implemented that way has to be implemented server-side, um, and implementing things server-side in Mastodon is, is, is a little bit contentious because... Uh, the Mastodon is already not very resource light, um, so implementing any sort of additional load. Um, yes, you can do it client side, but I think uh, just having client side tools is sort of uh, it's sort of like limiting because if what if you don't want to use uh, what if you don't want to use say uh, an app? What if you use the web web UI? Um, and I think the web UI should be. As, as as sort of like a baseline functionality offering and the filtering tool that you mentioned should be should be in the web ui as a, as a api sort of call it should be part of the api is what i'm saying um actually i disagree with this one and i this is a little outside the scope of this but i i just want to touch on it real quick i honestly think that having the mastodon current web ui be the main interaction point for everyone is a bad thing i think that old twitter is the much better approach where everyone just uses whatever client that's on their platform and that the web UI is just a fallback that you might use sometimes, but the network and the API is what should be worked on rather than like Mastodon being like a full client, right? Like, like of email, right? Most people might use webmail, but there is a strong network of third-party email apps that have more features or or at least feature parity with the main interface. Like what I'm saying is that Mastodon should be a backend service and we mainly access it via third-party clients rather than there being one canonical web UI. So yeah, what what do you say here is that the front end should be separate from the back end. Um, so the problem right now, uh, it's been a problem since Mastodon's inception, is the front end is tied to the back end. So to install the back to install the back end, you have to install the front end as well. Uh, they're not separate entities; they're tied together uh, very much. Um, 
And there's there's certain things that are not API calls that really should be API calls. Yeah, and then like I have to use, and even then you for OAuth calls to authorize users, I still have to go through the master on a web interface, right? There's not there's not any way for me to get around that, and it's and that's tied to the whole Tootsuite. That's the web app's call, name. That's or is that the whole project? The the, the project is Tootsuite, but the project uh, name uh, Mastodon, right? See, so the so yeah, there are certain admin actions that are like the OAuth stuff. The certain um, I think the OAuth is part of the um, API, but certain admin stuff is not part of the API. It has to be done via the web ui which is which is sort of and there's no apis for anyone to do it right you can't even i can't like say for example i'm making a mastodon client i can't build in admin tooling into that in a native interface because there's no way for me to there's no way for me to access that right right that's what yeah right there are no api paths as i say api actions or api calls uh it's just not in the api right now um that's that's one big problem that i have is that, that some parts of it are which makes like the web UI and the backend tied together intricately, which it really shouldn't be. Uh, um, you should separate the front end from the back end. But that's that's an entire discussion that could be had on yeah, another part. That's that's a, that's for another another podcast for another day. So um, I think I think our time's coming to a close. Today we're going to we're trying not to go too long nowadays because these hour podcasts have been have been fun, but also not fun. So just to, just like sum up though, right? It's culture's hard. Uh, technology solutions look easy on the surface, but good solutions are hard. And you should sign up for my Mastodon instance. Yeah, um, <laughs> you can you can find my public uh, instance ten forward social, um, which is a Star Trek themed instance. It's beautiful. I don't I don't watch Star Trek. I don't know anything about Star Trek, but I, it's I, I appreciate the fact that it exists. Yeah, it's 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 a good place. It's a nice place. Uh, we talk about Star Trek. There are some people role playing as various characters. Uh, come join us. You can follow at Guinan at tenforward.social, and I and I RT and I boost posts uh, that that appear on the on the local timeline. So and you can also find my personal account on Mastodon at staticstave at mastodon.zombocloud.com. And Christian, all right. My instance is boys.computer. Uh, registrations are open. Please, please, please come through. Uh, my personal account, though, is at chosefineatboys.computer. And before we go, there is one very last thing I want to touch upon because I know it's going to be a, a point that some folks might point out to us. This whole discussion on moderation, this whole discussion on hate speech and the such, me and Static have cis male privilege, right? We, we come from that position. So for the trans folk, the queer folk all listening to the show, I recognize that. I can say maybe we should let the Nazis be on Facebook because of my privilege and because even though I'm not white and they actively want me out of the country, it's different if you are trans or it's different if you're queer where they're actively trying to deny your existence. And I, I recognize that. And I, and that's why this is so stick. This is so hard to talk about. Yeah, definitely. This is uh, this is this is uh, this is one topic where intersectionality is is important. Obviously, um, so please let us know. Please send us feedback. Uh, and with that, I think uh, we're gonna sign off. Goodbye. Bye.